0: He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now, listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tucheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
1: The Leafs Lunch is brought to five in prepaid cards, built by Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Hour two of Leafs Lunch rolls on. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Josh Cloak of the Athletic in with me in place of Julia Tashery. She'll be back next week once uh, the World Junior Championships is all wrapped up. And a lot to wrap up tonight. We got a gold medal game that'll be awesome. Canada gets the book their tournament gets to get you know their revenge on uh, Czechia after what happened in the first game that they played against one another. And you can listen to that game right here on TSN 1050 uh, Puck Drop at 6:30. cover starting at six o'clock. And as we were talking to craig button in the first hour you can go and listen to that wherever you get your podcast if you missed it he was chatting about how there is something that he is going to discuss later today that i'm excited about so he was teeing up and gave us a nice tease uh to try and tune into that show today so definitely tune in by six o'clock um but the Leafs taking on the Kraken tonight as well. So this, this is my dilemma. This is, this is very difficult for me. Are you going to be down at the game tonight? Uh, I, I am not, but I'm very interested in this dilemma. Well, what do you watch? How do you watch? Well, that's, you know why, I mean? that's
2: why I'm going where I'm going. I, I, I've got a friend that I haven't seen for a very long time, and we're going to do some split screen at a, yeah. at a local establishment. Nice. Which means we don't have to talk to each other at all, which is fantastic.
1: So, you, you, so you're going to a local establishment, we'll say, and have some beverages and hopefully have both screens on at the same time. Yeah. The problem with that is what what
2: kind of problem could there be with beverages, friends, yeah. and two I don't know where you're going with this.
1: You see, maybe this is just just for me, but okay. I feel like and especially for like my job and, and I have to like analyze and break down these games for, you know, 2 hours tomorrow is you know, by paying attention to both games, I feel like maybe I'll I'll, I'll miss some stuff. Or I won't be able to truly appreciate one of these games because I'm focused on trying to watch both at the same time.
2: Yeah, and that's in, that's a big reason why I'm I'm not going to, to the Leafs game tonight. Yeah. Because if you were at one, you ultimately couldn't do, you know, the other. Uh, I mean, social media makes it easy to to yeah, sure. kind of revisit things that that happened and, and get kind of a pulse on, you know, on on where each game is at. But uh, is is it a dilemma watching too much hockey?
1: Well, it's not a dilemma. It's just, you know, I I feel like it should be illegal to uh, whenever there's a gold medal game in Canada to play Canadian teams. You know what I mean? I mean, we didn't know this was happening, but uh, I don't know. It's it's just it's going to be tough trying to decide or trying to get enough of both of these games.
2: Should have moved you know? it to like an afternoon viewing. See, I'm a big proponent of afternoon games full stop because then you get something for the kids to do during the day. You make a lot lot of kind of frustrated parents that have their kids home (laughs) for another week at school. You give them something to do.
1: The thing is about, like, so because the tournament is this week and it's, you know, there's a lot of kids are home from school. You've got a lot of, businesses that aren't working throughout this you know two-week stretch of the holidays. You could have done some sort of afternoon hockey, do like a 3.30 start or something like that, and make it an afternoon game. I mean, they got the bronze medal, I suppose, that, that is going to be at 3.30, which you can watch on TSN. But the gold medal game is the one that we care about most, obviously, up here in Canada. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a battle, watching both the Leafs game and the Canada game. You know, I, I just feel like I'm going to end up getting invested into one more than the other, and it's going to leave me wanting more of the other by the end of the night. It's like, ah, oh, I missed this. Oh, I missed that. I don't know. We'll see what, uh, what happens. But, you know, the Leaf- Leafs and Kraken game, uh, we were talking about it just before we went to break. You know, I think this is going to be much closer of a game than maybe some realize. Like, if you haven't been paying attention to yeah. the Seattle Kraken this year, they've been a pretty good team. 2012 and 4, currently in a playoff position in the West, uh, third spot in the Pacific in the standings there. And they've won a couple of games here in a row. So, you know, I think that this is going to be a much tighter game, perhaps, than the average Leaf fan would think, considering, you know, how Seattle did last season.
2: Well, I mean, as I mentioned before the break, it, Seattle has a really kind of high-powered offense that yep. I don't think a lot of, again, a lot of people appreciate or understand. And it's
1: balanced. I think that's something, too, that it's very well balanced
2: and it's a, and a lot of it is is relying on their 5 on 5 play. They're not just a power play only team. Um and I think if you watch the Leafs over the last few games, especially since Morgan Riley came back, um you know the defending they haven't looked just as kind of tight as they did. And and this is no kind of slag on Morgan Riley at all. I don't want to go down that kind of that rabbit hole but listen this is a, a big test for the Leafs to, to show that you know the, the the defensively responsible team that they were when Morgan Riley is out is still the kind of team that they can be against a really good Kraken team um, so yeah that's kind of what I'm looking forward to tonight is is how this team can play defensively because you look at the way that first line has been playing for the Leafs right now I don't I have no doubt the Leafs are going to be able to score. Uh, is tonight going to be a case of them kind of outscoring their problems? We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see. And uh, we got the radio voice of the Seattle Kraken on the line right now, joining the show. It's Everett FitzHugh. Everett, how are you?
0: Hey, fellas, I'm doing well. How are you guys?
1: Well, we're doing pretty good, pretty solid. Are you in Toronto for the game tonight, or are you out in Seattle?
0: No, nope, no, nope, we're here. We're, uh, we're we're full travel, so I will. I'm overlooking. Uh,
1: Rogers Center and the CN Tower as we speak. Beautiful. So, are you enjoying our Seattle weather in early January here in Ontario?
0: Oh my goodness! I was <laughs> going to say I feel like I'm I'm back at home right now. A little chillier here than it would be uh, in in Seattle. I don't, I can't do the conversion, uh, but it's uh, about what thirty. Eight Fahrenheit. I think today in Seattle it's about fifty, so a little bit milder, but still gray, still rainy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> little bit a little bit of a gloomy day. But there's a lot of great exactly. hockey. I mean, we got the U.S. And, and Canadian game that that'll be competing with the Leafs game tonight. Um, yeah. But Seattle's having a pretty solid sophomore season to this point uh, twenty twelve and four in a playoff spot. Was this expected from the team at the beginning of the season, or is this even a, a kind of a, a good big development from your perspective.
0: You know, if, if I can say, it was a little bit of both. I think internally, um, the the team and, and the hockey ops staff and the organization, they they knew that there there needed to be um, improvement this second season. And going into to the inaugural year last year, Ron Francis, the GM of the Kraken, had laid out this five year plan. We, we knew that the Kraken were not going to be the Vegas Golden Knights, who, by the way, have screwed everything up for expansion teams across the board from, from here until eternity <laughs> comes. Um, but but I think for, for Seattle, that five-year plan now has turned into a two-and-a-half or three-year plan. And I think you're seeing the fruits of that labor this past summer, you know, it, it all started last season here in Toronto when it was announced that, um, Jared McCann was signing a five by five extension. So now you lock up a big piece of that core, uh, for Seattle going into the summer. You bring in Oliver Bjorkstrand. You bring in Andre Burakovsky. Uh, Matty Beneers has a great 10 game tryout at the end of last season. And then now he is uh, seemingly picked up where he left off last year. Uh, and, and continues to lead, uh, the NHL rookie pace. So. For, for Seattle, I, I think internally, players, coaches, front office, we had a feeling that this wasn't going to be last year's team. Did, did a lot of us maybe see a playoff berth? Uh, you know, I, I certainly thought that this team could contend, but I will say I think this team overall maybe has outkicked the coverage a little bit due to public perception, but I think internally we, we had a feeling that 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 ship was starting to be righted
2: every yesterday sheldon keith uh, leafs head coach was talking a lot about the kraken and you mentioned twice uh just how difficult this kraken team is to play against um yep. from your perspective and perhaps for leafs fans that haven't watched the kraken a lot this year what makes them such a difficult team to play against
0: I think Seattle is is the team a team that sets the pace. When when they are successful, when this Kraken team is winning games, they are our first to pucks. They forecheck hard. They are a very hard team to play against. And even last season, a number of NHL coaches. Uh, will tell you that this is the hardest team that that we've played against. But unfortunately for Seattle, they weren't rewarded for a lot of that effort last year. And this season, they're now starting to be rewarded for that effort. Um, forechecking, being first to pucks, setting the pace. Dave Haxall, the head coach of the Kraken, has told me multiple times, both on record and off record. If we're going to be successful, if the Seattle Kraken are going to be successful, we have to roll all four lines. We can't shorten our bench. We have to be the toughest team, the most aggressive team, the fastest team, the quickest team on on any given night. It's a tiring pace. And I remember a couple of games ago, I was talking to Carson Susie after a practice, and he said, man, you know, after the last game, I was just gassed but that's what we have to do. That's how we need to play in order for us to be successful. So that is, is what I think the biggest difference is this year, is that the effort is continuing to be there from last season, but now they're getting the rewards for that effort.
1: We're chatting with Everett Fitzhugh, radio voice of the Seattle Kraken, with them in town to take on the Leafs tonight. And- you know, I think when you talk about rolling four lines, it's kind of showed when you look into what the production has been like for this team. It's yeah. extremely widespread. You've got uh, no player with more than twenty eight points, but eight guys with twenty or more points, um, 16 in sixteen and double digits. I mean, how has this evenly spread offense helped this team succeed?
0: It's it's been huge because you look at you know I'll I'll use three guys as an example: uh, Andre Burakovsky, Jaden Schwartz, and Matty Baneers. Who are are you know three of your top five in scoring? They've you know had a little bit of a dip here in the last couple of weeks, but then you've had the likes of Daniel Sprong, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato, Brandon Tanev picking up uh, the the offensive slack from the third and fourth line. And in fact, uh, Sprong, Geeky, and Donato are three of the top four scorers in the entire league amongst players averaging ten or fewer minutes a night. So making the most out of their opportunities, and I think it's just it's been that. Sp- Offense all throughout the season. Someone told me, um, or asked me rather, you know, what's what's the offensive identity of this team? And I said it's offense by committee, but the entire team is the committee. I think we've had 23 players uh, register a point this season, uh, 11 times this year. Ten or more players have recorded a point within the game. So um, it's been it's been a, a refreshing. Uh, thing to see on a nightly basis you don 't know who 's going to to score for you, and that 's okay because if your top line, your top six, for whatever reason, are struggling on any given night. You can count on those bottom six forwards, your defense, to chip in in the offense. I mean, Adam Larson, your your top-pairing uh, defenseman, is on a seven-game point streak, um, which I talked to him this morning, and he said, yeah, how many times did you ever think you'd say that? Uh, Adam Larson on a seven-game heater. So um, it's it's been fun to watch this team and the ways that they've been scoring, and I think more importantly, the ways that they've been finding uh, finding to win.
2: Everett, Dave Haxtall is a guy that, that leaves fans know well um, from his yeah. time here in Toronto. Um, how much credit should he get for the success the team is having? And if, if I'm not going too far here, like, should Dave Haxtall be in the Jack Adams conversation at all?
0: You know, I, I think he definitely deserves you know some of the credit for this team because at the end of the day, he's the one rolling out the line combinations and, and the D pairs and, and setting that game plan. I think One thing that, you know... Is not talked about is that it's hard, it's tough in this league, especially when you're coaching an expansion team, a team that's never been together. You know, essentially you've got 23 rookies. You know, their first time playing in a new city, playing in a new building, playing with these teammates. So trying to to get them to come together is is a challenge all in itself. And then you have the season that you had last year, um, in which you know you didn't have the puck luck, the bounces weren't going your way, nothing seem to be going right, I, I definitely think that this this turnaround, you know, you can put a lot, uh, put a, a bulk of that turnaround on him. So I think, um, you know, is, is he in my, in my Jack Adams conversation? I may be a little bit biased, but I, I think so, simply because of the turnaround. And especially if this Kraken team uh, finds a way to, to keep up this pace um, and, and get into the playoffs in their second year, I don't see how you can't have a serious conversation about Dave Haxall, uh being coach of the year.
1: Well, I think one of the big, maybe, con- question marks, concerns, perhaps, remaining uh, with this team is, is probably goaltending. Um, you know, both Grubauer and Martin Jones have kind of struggled of late, both of the sub-900 uh, sub save percentage since the beginning of December. I mean, do you think that the goaltending is strong enough to hold up to get this team into the playoffs?
0: It's going to have to be right, I, I, and, and I think for for Seattle and for those two, you listen. They they were put, you know, in in a position in which I don't think a lot of folks expected it. it let's go back to last season, right? You had Philip Grubauer, and you had uh, Chris Drieger, and and at the time, the Athletic, I believe, ranked the Kraken goaltending coming into last year as the third best tandem of the season. Well, Chris Drieger. Philip Grubauer, you know, in and out of lineup. There was a COVID outbreak amongst the team. Guys were sick, things like that. So that never uh, was able to manifest. And then you go into this season. Now we're going to get the, the goaltending tandem that we thought we were going to get last year with this cracking team, Grubauer and Drieger. Drieger gets injured in the gold medal game for Canada in the world championships and is out, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. So now you bring in a guy, in Martin Jones, who is, has been able to, with another injury to Philip Grubauer, right this ship. And I think without his strong play and his 14-15 wins this year, this Kraken team is not in the position that they're in. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, as long as they're getting the wins uh, that are necessary, I understand that the the numbers may not be where... Folks would like in terms of the goals against and the save percentage. They're, the Kraken are finding ways to win. They're finding ways to score goals. And I never thought that this team would be able to outscore the likes of an Edmonton Oilers team. You know, even though Calgary, you lose 90 goals the free agency this past season, the way that they've been able to play against Calgary and Pittsburgh and Minnesota, the teams like that. So I think the goaltending will be fine. And, and every single day, you know, they're, they're putting in the work. Uh, to, to get better, I know it sounds like a cliche, but you know the, these goaltenders understand the importance and what's in front of them, and I think that these two can, you know, get the Kraken to that promised land, which is a playoff berth.
2: Everett, I think a lot of people here in Toronto are going to be pulling some split screen action tonight and watching, you know, the <laughs> Leafs Kraken, and, and they're going to be watching Canada in the World Junior final as well. And
1: you my know, condolences last night, by the way. Listen, I, 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 hometown discount, I get it, you know, the way,
0: Goaltender interference versus... Not. That's fine. I get it. I get it. There's always next year. There's always next year. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead, Josh.
2: You, you, uh, yeah. you. We, we, could, we could probably um, spend a lot more time on that conversation. <laughs> but uh, listen, w- one one player that I think a lot of Canadians are going to be watching and, and asking about, Shane Wright, um, yeah. the Kraken will have a decision to make very soon whether or not he's going to rejoin the team after the World Juniors or whether he's going to be headed back to Kingston in the OHL. Yeah. Uh, what's your sense, maybe, A, where you think he's going to go, and B, maybe where you think he should go?
0: Yeah, you know, that, that has been, that has been the, the number one question around, you know, Shane Wright and the Seattle Kraken this season. You know, going into the beginning of the year, it was understood that the best place for him would probably be in Seattle you know, getting the playing time and, and the practice time. But this is a team that I think is ahead of schedule and is playing really good hockey. This team has been remarkably healthy uh, this season. I, I think only two forwards have missed a combined total of five games this year for Seattle. So the ice time hasn't been there for Shane Wright. So if we're having this conversation three months ago, I'm saying, you know what, keep him in in, in Seattle and, and to be around that NHL time. But now he goes to the American Hockey League, scores four goals in five games there. He comes back, gets his first NHL goal against Montreal, which, you know, fire up the storylines there. And then he goes off to the tournament now and is having success and is playing a meaningful role. So now, given all of that, I definitely can see how a return to Kingston may be on the table. Now, I don't know what's going on in the Hockey Ops uh, office right now. We'll find out probably about the same time uh, as, as you guys do. But, you know, I, I think that there's no... Substitute for that NHL style, the NHL lifestyle and the practice and the speed and the pace, but being able to play games is important. Obviously he missed a year of hockey, uh, through the COVID-19 pandemic. So being able to get him back into games could help his development and will help his development further along. So it's a, it's a big question. It's a big decision that has to be made, but I could see a return to Kingston, you know, definitely on the table for Shane Wright
1: uh that's uh, Everett fitzhugh uh Play-by-play radio voice of the Seattle Kraken, and uh, one more before you go here tonight, and it's it's, yeah. it's going to be a good game. You know, we were talking about beforehand, um, and, and just based on how Seattle's performed uh, this year, we think it'll be a good tight one. Especially Dave Haxtell making a return into Toronto. I think there'll be some money on the board potentially for Seattle. <laughs> but from your perspective, as a guy who travels around the league and gets to watch, you know, all of these teams play, I mean, do you get more excited to to come in and and into Toronto and get to watch this team in particular? Something that your that excites you about this matchup tonight?
0: I, I, it does for for a variety of reasons. I think this matchup in particular, with the Kraken playing as well as they've been playing, the beginning of a of a thirteen game seven day road trip. You beat Edmonton in Edmonton two nights ago, so now you're flying high off of that win. You're going up against your. First captain in team history in Bart Giordano, also Kelly Young Crook on the other side who played mm. in Seattle um, last season. I think the storylines are there. And I think for me personally, listen, I grew up just over the border uh, from Windsor in Detroit. So hockey night in Canada was a staple in my household every Saturday night. So being able to, to come to Toronto and, and inside the, um, the the arena and, and to be in this place, for me, is super special. And I think anytime you can go to a Canadian market and play in a Canadian market, there's a ton of family here. I had a wonderful conversation this morning um, with Brandon Tanev's father, Mike, who is here and lives here locally. Obviously, Jared McCann, Vince Dunn, Jamie Alexiak. So many folks are from uh, this city in uh, the surrounding area. So it's always, you know... A little bit special. You dress a little bit sharper, right? Yeah, you you, you, <laughs> you do a little bit extra when you're here in this market. So it's going to be exciting uh, for me, having only been here once before last season. Um, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game, and with both these teams playing well, and with a lot on the line tonight on both sides uh, of the red line, I think it's going to be a pretty a pretty exciting matchup this evening here.
1: I agree. It'll be a good one tonight. Appreciate you taking the time, Everett. Uh, hopefully we can chat again real soon. Absolutely, fellas. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. There he is. Everett Fitzhugh, radio voice of the Seattle Kraken.
2: We, we didn't talk enough about former Leafs legend Jared McCann.
1: It's funny. I literally wrote down on my notes here, I legitimately put Leafs former legend McCann. Was the exact words that I wrote down in my notes here to talk about it afterwards? I, I wonder saying. what would have happened. <laughs> I, I, at the t-
2: like I, I, I was pretty high on, on on Philip Hollander, the the prospect they traded. I was <sighs> Look, wrong on that, but like I, I do wonder in hindsight. Like, is would would he have been exactly what
1: they needed? And in, in you know this? what I hate about this conversation? Oh, ouch. Well, I hate that—not the one that you're bringing up, but like the perception around the debate of they let him go. Yeah. And people always—they let him go, and then they compare him to Alex Kerfoot. That wasn't the decision. The decision was Justin Hall. Yes. Right? And there's been a lot of up and downs there as well. And right now, though, like today, based on how Justin Hall's been playing, how really important he's been over the course of the last couple of months, especially with the injuries that have occurred to this blue line— I think maybe uh those questions or those concerns or the you know questioning of that decision maybe has quieted a little bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. Would Jared has, what 17 goals a season?
1: He's I mean he's a really good player. And he was yeah. he was good when they drafted him. Let me uh just look I that I, I guess
2: I'm saying like that's exactly. It's always funny how that works out. And this this, yeah. this kind of thing happens to you know every team almost every season. You wonder, but like that's the kind of is, is that not a player with that kind of scoring punch? Is that not exactly who you, you would, or who it, it feels like the Leafs kind of miss on their second line right
1: 1, now? 1,000%. Danny's got a little snarl to him. A little bit. Like, when he was drafted into the league, he was like, okay, this guy could be a two-way, third-line center, or yeah. maybe he could um, play on the wing and, and play a little bit more of a power game. And I think that that is exactly what the Maple Leafs want. And that was the reason why they traded for... For him from Pittsburgh, and then they essentially gave Seattle the opportunity. Do you want Kerf or Do you want Justin Hall? It's not. It wasn't their choice as to who Seattle took. They just gave them the option, and clearly Seattle made the correct decision. I think everybody would agree that Jeremy McCann probably the better player of the two, or not probably, I would say he is, and I think most people would agree, and he's Turned out to be a, a, a terrific pick. I mean, he's only 26 years old. They signed him long term. Uh, like you said, he's leading the way this year with 17 goals for that team. He's their top goal scorer. He's a good player. And he's, he's, he's dynamic in terms of he can play um, at the center position. He could play at the wing. Unfortunately, never got a sniff to actually play in a Leaf jersey. I mean, he's a local kid too, right? He's from Stratford, I believe, home of Justin Bieber. Uh, they would have grown up together because they the same age <laughs> relatively. So are, we, are we are
2: we assuming everybody in Stratford of the same age grew up together? Yes, I am. How many
1: schools could there be in Stratford?
2: I would like someone a, a Stratford. I have a couple to... of
1: like I went to school at Western, and I had a couple of friends who went to Stratford, and they all knew Justin Bieber when he was like a child. Yeah, so like I assume I, that everybody, like pre him being big, like when he blew up, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, he went to my elementary school or my friend's elementary school or, yeah, I was friends with him. He's at the skate park all the time, blah, blah. Like, it's just a tight knit community. So I assume that cause we know that Bieber played hockey growing up. Jeremy McCann clearly played hockey growing up. Eh, could have run in the same circles. I, don't I think it's a big leap.
2: I would think everybody in Stratford has a Justin Bieber story. Yeah. I I would hope so.
1: They'll make um, one up so they don't feel left out.
2: Well, I've been told (laughs) uh, that there's two high schools in Stratford. Yeah. So perhaps they went to different high schools.
1: Yeah, probably a public and a Catholic, I would assume.
2: Yeah, so maybe, uh, thanks for the idea, maybe I'm going to write the oral history of of Jared McCann and his (laughs) friendship with with Justin Bieber. Is that
1: the story I should write? Uh, If you were going down tonight, I guess you could have had that one-on-one. But uh
2: Yeah, Jared McCann. You know who's also having a, a really good season for the Leafs at, at a cheaper ticket? Who? Justin Hall.
1: He definitely is, although he's at UFA at the end of the year. And I'm I'm curious to see how things should There's a lot of unrestricted free agents for Toronto. A lot of them. Michael Bunting's one we talked about. David Kampf, his contract's up at the end of the season. So it's Justin Hall. There's right shot defenseman. Pierre Engelbal also has been playing better of late. The UFA? Yeah. I believe
2: so. Kyle Dewis is going to be busy this offseason.
1: Very, very busy, which is why I think that maybe they want to try and get bunting done, and then they can deal with some of the other stuff. The problem is they still don't know exactly what the cap's going to be next year either.
2: Yeah, I mean, all those players that you just listed, uh, uh, those are players that I none of them I see as expendable. I see Pierre Engvall as a player who continues to grow and I think will only kind of get better. It's hard to find players of of his size who can move the way he does. I think if he added a little bit more snarl to his game, the Leafs would have a real, real player on their hands. Who do
1: you think people are more divided over? Pierre Engvall or Alex Kerfoot? Probably Alex Kerfoot
2: just because he's a bit of a bigger name. Um, And I think people want... And and I guess you could say the same for Engvall. I think it's Engvall. Well, I I think people want... Uh, Alex Kerfa to be something he's not.
1: Yeah. Right? I, well, I think. you say that about Pierre Engvall? Yeah, exactly. Like, th- l- l- everyone looks at him and says he's six foot four and afraid of his own shadow. Like the guy's allergic to contact. And that makes so many Leaf fans angry that he doesn't engage. At the size that he is, but that's just not who he is. I I
2: think Alex Kerfoot is the kind of player that you don't you don't often see what, what he does. A lot of what he does that's so important, you know, doesn't end up on the stat sheet, doesn't end up on the highlight reels. Um, and I think Pierre Engvall is is a success story in his own right because he's seventh round pick. Yep. Right, and you know the Leafs have drafted, developed him. That's the kind of model that they should be following. But
1: Dave, uh, Kerfoot will always have the cadre stench to him as well. Right from that trade, where it's yeah. like, nah, he never lived up to the hype. wow, well, he didn't I, fill in, and Barry didn't work out clearly, and yeah, I think the, Tyson Barry is probably piece. the one
2: that we should be, if we're if we're talking yeah, about
1: that trade. But Kerfoot's the remaining piece left, right? And it's like, could have had Cadre all these years at four and a half million.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's probably Alex Kerfoot's contract that probably increases the which the is also up at the end
1: of the year. Another UFA.
2: Yeah, I probably could have taken that UFA question in a number of different directions, right? But I just think that, um, I, I mean, I think Alex Kerfoot does like it here. Um, I think Pierre Engvall likes it here as well. He's got a whole Swedish contingent here. But look, there's a number of, of players that that, um, that are up and, and again, a number of players that Dubas is going to have to decide on. But I, I, I think if we look at those kinds of players, what kind of gets me interested, and and I'm sure a number of Leafs fans are doing this, is looking around the league and saying, what kind of diamonds in the rough, and I mentioned this before, yeah, could Kyle Dubas find to fill in on that third line role? Because those are the kind of players that you can bring in for seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars who might be able to fill that role should and Kerfoot walk right.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see. There's uh, a little bit of runway left. They could bring those guys back. We'll we'll see how that all shakes out. But we were treated to a pretty spectacular hockey game last night. Uh, the Canadians beat the Americans in the semifinal. Off to the gold medal match tonight, which you can listen to on TSN 1050. But it inspired our Thursday three pack. We're taking a look at the three. Uh, three favorite rivalries that we have in the world of hockey. So we'll get to that on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Josh Cloak of The Athletic. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN
0: 1050. Bad it again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs
1: live here. Count to three? Yeah. That's your big advice, count to three? Yeah. Whenever you get scared about anything, you just do this. Just count to three and then do it. So I give you to the count of three.
2: One, two, three,
1: not only you and me, got 180 degrees and I'm caught in between. Counting loose lunch is brought to you in part one, by Two Form Pizza. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penny combo, and more. Visit twoformpizza.com. All right, it's the Thursday three-pack. We're going over our three favorite rivalries in the world. Of hockey, This comes off of last night's victory. The Canadians beat the Americans 6-2 in the World Junior Semi-Final. That gold medal game will be tonight. Uh, you can listen to that right here on TSN 1050. Um, speaking of, I-, I don't know if you saw this. Producer Mick, uh, Nick sent this to me. Apparently, Kyler Yamamoto lost mm-hmm. a bet uh, from Spokane, Washington, to one of his teammates. And today, he had to don a Team Canada sweater at, uh, after practice today in the media scrum. So... I mean, this is one of the best rivalries in the world. Like, for me, this is number one, all right? We'll start our list. For me, this is the number one rivalry in hockey. It's Canada-US, and it doesn't matter at what level. The Olympics, the World Juniors, the Women's World Championships, the U18s, u 17 like whatever level of hockey it is, when it's Canada and US, it's marquee must see uh in in every single hockey circle around the world
2: the gains that the u.s has made in the game of hockey over the last what 20 years because i don't know if you would have said that or maybe you would have 20 years ago
1: i think i would have like i've shared this on the show many times what got me into the sport of hockey was the 2002 gold medal game Canada U.S. So I'm one of the statistics that you're talking about, and that was 20 years ago.
2: Yeah, and and look, the U.S. is just like the increased participation, right? We we look at the fact that you know I I think the stereotype about hockey in the U.S. was that it used to be just be played in you know Minnesota and and Massachusetts, but that's not the case anymore. Yeah, and I I think that has just contributed to a the growth of the game and b the growth of this rivalry we talked about this last week whenever last time I was on the show Canada U.S. best on best the U.S. their roster right now would be the only one that would give Canada a run for their money and honestly I, it, it might even be pound for pound
1: at the NHL level it might it could be it, it could, could be. be honestly they it, could be in trouble you look at the just the Look at the goaltending, the blue line. Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, they've got a lot of talent on that roster. Not to say that Canada's not super talented themselves. I mean, Crosby, McDavid. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys on the Canadian side. But the, we've talked a lot about the goaltending disparity, clearly. But like the defense, even is pretty, va- you know, equates to a similar value. And there are some real solid players on the uh, on the American side. And you're right. You look at where a lot of kids are coming from nowadays it's not just those typical places of Massachusetts or you know New York or of Minnesota as you mentioned you know you've got guys like Austin Matthews who are coming out of Arizona Matthew Nye is coming out of Arizona, Tage Thompson another Arizona kid you've got a bunch of kids coming out of California which I think we can thank a lot to you know the Wayne Gretzky boom and what that did for hockey in California so there are so many players that are um you know, being developed all across the country, which clearly is helping fuel this rivalry, which seems to just be getting better, better, better.
2: Yeah. Do you want me to give my next one? Absolutely. So, uh, uh, kind of rolling off that, I'm going to go Canada Russia. Um, and I think I'm going with that because uh, I like, you know, the history of the game. And I think, you know, the 1972 Summit Series has been mythologized in, yes. in Canadian kind of folklore. But what I appreciate about that and the history of the game is. Just there was a level of tension in those games. And there seems to be a level of tension um, when Canada plays Russia that maybe isn't there when Canada plays the United States. Um, And what I think as well is, is, and and I could be wrong, but I think Russia kind of treats Canada as more of their rival than maybe, you know, like I think Canada beating Canada means a lot to, to the Russians when they do play.
1: Right, Russia beats Canada.
2: Yeah. 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 So I think that one matters a lot. Um, and I've seen some incredible Canada Russia games. I think back to the 2010 Olympics, right? When, when Canada played Russia in the, in the quarterfinals the atmosphere, obviously nothing would touch, to your point, right? That The gold medal game, which I'm surprised you didn't bring up, like, that's arguably the greatest hockey game of, well, yes, of all
1: Well, yes, 100%, the golden goal there, but I mean, there's many, I mean, Marie-Philippe Lann, you know, it's always Canada-US, and and she's got a bunch of golden goals herself as well. Like there's just uh, so many different moments to pick the one that I brought up that one because that was just my, the the game that got me into the sport.
2: I remember I was in Vancouver 2000. in 2010 for that tournament. And I just remember there being a level of tension in the air before the game against Russia that would have been there no matter who Canada would have played in the gold medal game, but there was something about that. You had Ovechkin and Malkin kind of playing really, really well, and it just felt like this Russian team was really, really so great. Were you
1: in the building for? Uh... The, I, the gold medal game?
2: I was not. And I was at a bar for the quarterfinal game, um, and there were people standing on the tables, right? Canada obviously just steamrolled Russia. Yeah. And I think that was part of it, too. It just felt like once Canada beat Russia, anything was possible. So just considering the history of all that, I, I'm I'm going go to go Canada-Russia to kind of rival your uh, your vote there.
1: My second uh I guess second on my list on the Thursday three pack uh, biggest rivalries or rivalries that we like the most in the hockey world. The Battle of Alberta. We bring it back to the NHL. Um, This is all, like, for me, a rivalry needs to have animosity. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a rivalry in the NHL that has more animosity than when Calgary and Edmonton go toe to toe. We saw it last year in the playoffs, and we only got five games of it, which was unfortunate because I would have loved to see seven games of it. But it was always, they were all great games. Like, they were high scoring. There was a lot of animosity. There was, you know, some chippiness. Um, we think back a couple of years ago, like pre pandemic, I suppose, the, the fights, the goalie fights that we were getting. Like, these two teams just don't like each other. They absolutely hate each other. And I, I think it's one of the best rivalries that we have in hockey. And I am praying that we get round one, Calgary and Edmonton as the two and three seed. And I Battle of Alberta in the first round of the playoffs. Praying
2: for it. the The playoff format that is designed right now in the NHL, I don't think, has really worked out the way they hoped it would to create these kind of rivalries. Mm. You know, like I could think like Toronto Boston, like is. Is that a real rivalry? Right there, obviously twenty thirteen and twenty seventeen and or twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. But look, are those? Is that a real rivalry? So that's a great shout. Um, I I did have that on my list. I'm calling an audible. If we're talking battles, I'm going to go back. I'm leaning into the history here. The Battle of Ontario, because again, if we're talking about teams that genuinely didn't like each other, I think a lot of those teams. You know, in the two like thousands, Sun
1: Dean Alfredson era.
2: Yeah, right. Those teams really didn't like each other. There was some drama there. You remember Alfredson almost throwing the <laughs> stick over? Um, like that's great stuff. That's what makes rivalries is, is those those sparks that people talk about. Um, and those were some great series. Obviously, Toronto got the better of Ottawa, um, but to me, that, that that battle of and I I do think you know if Ottawa kind of figures it out, there there could be something there in the future. But I just think that given the geographical proximity i'm going to go with the battle of ontario again a little more for historical purposes
1: yeah i mean again like just going back to when i became a fan of the game and like the 2002 range yep. Yep. i mean that was like those two faced off against one another in, I think it was the first round, no, second round of the playoffs, I believe, that year. Um, And then also faced each other the year after. So, like, when I became a fan of the sport, it was the Battle of Ontario was thrown right into my face in the first couple of... Leafs playoffs that I got to, to witness and watch. So uh, I also appreciate that one. I, you're taking more of a historical stance to yours where I'm, I guess, looking at it more of uh, in the moment right now, which I like that we have that kind of difference. I feel old. In I feel these, old. Uh, no, you, know, you don't got to feel old. You don't, you don't got to feel old. Uh, my last one, though, and again, super current to keep on my theme. Okay. It's a, it's a Leafs one. It's a little off the board here, but I think you'll, you'll agree with me. Leafs and Jets has become quite the battle. Well, well it was Mark Scheifele, right,
2: that, that said there's nothing. There's no better feeling than beating the Leafs.
1: Exactly. And you had Logan Stanley doing the tough guy acts, tossing the helmet up in the air after the fight. You had you know, the uh, Neil Pionk, knee-on-knee, knee, um, and then Jason Spezza was, was involved there. And then the game that they just had, uh, Morgan Riley got into a tussle. Uh, was it Was it with Morrissey that he got into the fight with? They end, they end up putting Sim, uh, Simmons into the game. Like There's just always, at this point, so much animosity in those games. It's become must-watch hockey, and they're going to be in town. They're going to be in Toronto on January 19th, and that's a game that I think is going to be must-see. You better get your butts down to the Scotia Bank Arena and cheer your butt off because that'll be a good one. And And as we noted last night, a fan base can really help energize a club. And uh, for a game like that, with the rivalry that they've created, I think getting the fans behind them for that one will be really special and a great game to attend.
2: One thing I've learned, kind of traveling around, following the Leafs, and just traveling around in general, is people throughout this country have very strong opinions about the city of Toronto. Yeah, is that and, true? And I think, <laughs> and I think uh, that is true. If I can generalize, I think that is true for you know for the fine people of Winnipeg. I think they have very strong feelings about you know Toronto and Toronto. Antonians and the center of the universe. So I think that plays into it as well. I'm gonna sneak one in here that is very near and dear to my heart. Not, not well, I guess a little historical. I'm gonna go with the Oshawa Generals and the Peterborough Pete's. Oh. Born and raised in Oshawa myself, and you knew when a team from peterborough was coming to town and i think you knew and you know i had friends that grew up playing hockey competitively and you would travel to go you know watch them play in peterborough there was a nastiness there that i don't know and and these are two of the most uh, esteemed uh teams in junior hockey right yeah. bar none not just in the ohl like bar none um and so I, I I just think again, you have the geographical proximity you have uh kind of cultural differences within the city, right Oshawa is the kind of last stop in the gta and then Peterborough's ready the next city. yeah, ready city. believe me, I know <laughs> um and I just think you know we're talking about. If I can use this term, and I don't love the term, I don't, but like a genuine kind of hatred between those two teams. And as far as I know, that that still exists, and I think there's just been some fantastic players that have come out of each of those franchises, right? That's
1: what builds the rivalry, though, that hatred between not only the players, the organizations, but often even the fan bases. Just get into it, you know, screaming. I mean, you never want to see things cross the line and get physical. But just like the teasing, the heckling of, of different fan bases, like that's all in—that's all good fun as well. That adds to those rivalries. Like the Kyler Yamamoto, right? Like the fact that he now has to chuck on a Canadian sweater today because they lost to the American or because they beat the Americans last night. That's all in, in, in good fun. And that's just good that, that's a good rivalry spark, those types of uh, those types of things. So uh, good list, solid list. You went more historic. I went more current, but they're both terrific nonetheless. Uh, on the other side, we'll continue to tee up tonight's game, Leafs and Kraken. we got Al's brother, School Degeneracy. On the other side, I'm Mike DiStefano with Josh Cloak of The Athleticos and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.
0: This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
1: Lunches brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. We've got a jam packed hockey schedule tonight. If you're a Maple Leaf slash Canadian fan, you get the Leafs taking on the Seattle Kraken. You've got Canada playing for the gold medal against Czechia. And uh, with that, I've got a couple plays that I like on both of those slates. So why don't we get to it? Al's Brothers School of Degeneracy. <laughs>
0: time now for Al's brothers school of degeneracy
1: back to school back to school jackpot all right Josh I've got uh, 3 plays that I like here tonight so Toronto the favorite team going into this game so is Czechia or uh, Canada is the favored to go in and win the gold medal. So I'm not a big fan. There's not a lot of value to take the money line here. So there's a couple of other props that I like. Uh, There is a boost on the FanDuel Sportsbook app today, though. Matthews, with four plus shots, and the Leafs to win by two has been boosted from plus 244 to plus 330. So 3.3 odds. So can the Leafs win this game by two goals? And uh, can Matthews get four plus shots?
2: I, I'm wincing. Matthews plus four shots for sure. Mm-hmm. i take, by, take that
1: by, by two goals against this Kraken team. All it takes is an empty netter, though. You're hoping for that empty netter. Yeah, it's good Kraken team. I don't know. The bad Kraken goaltending do Sure. Yeah. Go for it. Roll. Yeah. I am. That's, that's the first one on uh, on my card. And another one that I like in this game, too, is to get a power play point because the power play has been good as of late, that 5-4 unit's cooking. He's been racking up points there. The Kraken's penalty kill, 68% kill rate this year, 31st out of 32 teams in the NHL. You'd be silly so. to bet
2: against William Nylander the way he's playing right now. Is he an all-star?
1: You know, it's tough with the format. Yeah. The format makes it tough. But if it was like the old old way where they just took the best players, then I think he would be considered one of the best in the East this year. He should be. Should be. be Will he be? Who knows? I guess we'll have to find out. Uh, And then you're looking at the Team Canada game tonight, the gold medal match. I don't like the value for Canada to win uh, on the money line. It's minus 430. It's not good enough value for me to make that wager. But what I do like is for Canada to play well. And I do think they'll win this game. And I think they'll keep Czechia in check and keep them to under three goals. So, Czechia under two and a half goals tonight pays minus 160. I think that's a nice little play, especially you look at the night that Thomas Milicic had yesterday. Can he double down on that performance here and win this team a gold medal?
2: What kind of odds would you need to have said yes, Canada will score in overtime via a Michigan goal? oh my
1: goodness, so I mean this is how dude, much I give me like a hundred to one I would have tossed I would have tossed five bucks on a hundred to one type of bet, but other than that you're probably lighting your money on fire. How is that uh, not
2: a prop bet right now that should be should <laughs> it, it should should
1: be it should be we should contact our uh, our, our good you know, compadres over at FanDuel and, and put that there as a prop. I don't believe it is. I could I'll actually quickly look. It might be. No, it is not. It is not currently uh, a prop bet. But if it happens, just know that.
2: We, you heard it we, here we, first. You heard it
1: here first. We talked about it. We we think that's going to happen. And if so, we'll play that call that you'll hear tonight on the station over and over and over and over and over again tomorrow because it would just be absolutely fantastic um, so two games tonight split screen action one on you know the computer maybe one uh, up on the TV i don't know how you could do it if you could do picture in picture if you got a double screen i mean you're you're set tonight but it, it's, uh, it's it's a good hockey night for a lot of fans in this city and and in this country enjoy the games you can listen to canada play check here for the gold medal right here on TSN 1050 coverage will start at 6 p.m. Uh, Josh, really appreciate you taking the time to join us here today. Hopefully we get you back real soon. It was fun, uh, but if you missed today's show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, today's show is brought to you by LeaseBusters. They'll get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie. Piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit LeaseBusters.com. You'll listen to Lease Lunch Gameplay with Matt Coss next.